What? Yeah, what? What? 1982 neo-noir sci-fi Blade Runner in a very sweet special episode of Paper Cake. You know, much like the movie that started it all, this is the host who started it all. And by it, I mean the internet itself. You're listening to the Paper Same Cake joking. Show featuring Slim and Dale underscore A. And hopefully people okay. have been listening to Vangelis starting this episode. Don't sue us. Bam. I'm Vangelis that I didn't Bam. discover this movie until 2016. 2017. So wait, you've never seen Blade Runner starring Harrison Ford directed by one only Ridley Scott ever before last week. Yeah. So strange as it may be, um, I always didn't see this movie because I, I felt through the years it could never live up to the hype. And, uh, you know, on a humbug, mm. I saw the cover art in uh, iTunes and I said... Blade Runner for nine ninety nine. It seems like a steal. Yeah. You know, maybe I owe it to myself yeah. as a post Christmas present <sighs> to sit down. You know, um, my children, my wife and children were away, and I was really into uh, watching a movie I'd never seen by myself. Like I like to get into that sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe maybe yeah. run some cherry blossom oil on my hands. You know, oh my get my hair wet, wrapped up in a towel. You know, pour myself a Glen Marangy Scotch. Uh, neat room temperature. That's how I take it. Jonesy's doing the and Macho Man a, fingers right now for those that can't see. <laughs> yes, watching yeah. a movie, and my movie of choice was The Blade Runner. His highball glass shooting out of his oiled hand. <laughs> <laughs> that story, as told by Greasy Fingers, Jonesy loves beer. Welcome back to the show, writer. Greasy JLB, they call me. They call you on the streets yeah. of Los Angeles. Where I hunt skin jobs and tire them. We're right around the corner from real life Blade Runner. 2017, I think it took place, right? And I feel like this world matches up pretty close. It's very Now, close. Slim, I think I might have to correct you and say 2017 is when Roy Batty went online. Really? And where Blade Runner might be in the fourth year of his life, I see. the final year for the Nexus Six. Oh, because I, I just remember it saying like 2017 when it showed Los Angeles and like the flames were coming out of the sky. Like, mm. I could be I could be wrong, but I think I'm not right. this time. Well, this one time, we'll let the people decide. We have another final host. stop clock. We have you know? one remaining living host. Fourth host is dead. God rest his soul. Dale underscore A, God, VP yeah. of dissolving the show in 24 episodes, VP of filing the final paperwork to iTunes. Mm-hmm. V- VP of liquidity. VP of uh, putting post-its on the shelving units, on the CD bins, making me a deal, make me an offer. You know? <laughs> the spinner racks. Make me a deal. You know, make me right. an offer. Confession time for moi as well. I remember uh, two, three years ago, uh, now before everybody listening who has seen Blade Runner, uh, you know, in the heyday, and, try to, and they try to r- ram their broomsticks yeah. up. Idiot. They try to force it in. Taking it to Brown Town. I have never seen it. 
I've never seen it either. A couple years ago, you know, me, my basement, which a couple years ago was my heyday. <laughs> you know, drunk. I remember renting it on Xbox and falling asleep five minutes in. Because I, it was probably 2 a.m. and I had a great idea that I was going to rent Blade Runner at 2 a.m. Fell asleep, never got back to it. Until this week mm. in Paper Keg history. Now, this is a, a difficult show for us to do because the, the group message was bursting at the seams. Yeah, there was a Nay, lot of... Six hours prior to this recording. Yeah. There was a lot of pre-coital book club discussion, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, which is rare. Up. Which is rare. Slim's rare. probably his phone's probably a buzz while he's on Facebook Live, just you know trying to cope with whatever he's got going on. Jonesy and I just legitimately letting our pants down <laughs> and ready to cross broomsticks and talk Blade Runner in G Chat because I, we're absolutely best friends, and that's what best friends do. I was so far away from my pants this afternoon, I had to drop a pin in uh, Apple Maps so I would know how to get back to them later because I was so far out of pants range. Pants range. Brown town. Mm -hmm. It took an express flight to New Bonerton, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, Jonesy, 1982, Blade Runner is released into theaters. For those that haven't seen it yet, uh... Can we just preface, spoil, this is definitely, we're getting into spoiler territory. Yeah, super. For those of you who tried to rent it two or three years ago, drunk at 2 a.m. and never got through it. I mean, we're going to be like the Nexus 8 of spoilers tonight, oh just to God. let you know. We're skipping seven? Right, we're, advanced, right off the bat. we're advanced spoiler models, because I have theories of, of Deckard that we'll get into. Okay? <laughs> so... Am I giving a synopsis, or is anyone? Yeah, we're, we're waiting just con- on you. We're you're, considering you're that everyone with yourself and their just announced that you have theories. Oh yeah, I'm getting all. You know, I'm taking. <laughs> I'm I'm booking two more tickets to New Bunnerton as mm-hmm. we speak. Uh, you know, I have an account. Travelocity. It's very quick and easy. Tell your friends. Uh, Blade Runner. You know, the year is 2020 ish, uh, and four. I'm sorry, a total of six replicants, and replicants are. Almost near perfect copies of humans, of course, made for our pleasure or our manual labor. And the world has moved off planet with these replicants. They've uh, they've advanced uh, our ability to travel into space and terraform other worlds. And the Earth is kind of left behind. So a rogue team of six replicants. Uh, kill a bunch of civilians and hijack a ship back to Earth. And uh, Rick Deckard, probably the all-time best Blade Runner. Blade Runner is a special uh, detective unit uh, tasked specifically with taking down replicants or retiring them, as it were. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's brought out of retirement, you know, the classic come out of retirement tale, to bag... Uh, the four remaining replicants, two of them died trying to infiltrate the Tyrell Corporation and the masterminds behind replicants. And the movie follows his attempt to wrestle these four replicants and really also follows the story of Roy Batty, 
the last Nexus 6 just trying to get a little more life. Blade Runner. Where does the name Blade Runner come in? Is that like some meme? So I, I, I Googled this extensively. When they were trying to get a title for this movie, they thought uh, when Android, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, the, the book that it's based on, obviously wouldn't translate well in 1980 cinema. So they bought the rights to a similar theme book called Blade Runner and really tossed the whole book out and kept the name. Uh, and Wrigley Scott described it as, and it's really, it's not as cool once I tell you this, but he said, oh, it's a perfect name because people like Deckard have to be on a blade's edge about deciding if you're a human or a, a replicant because it's such a close call. It's That's ter- why they're such Blade Runners. Isn't it ter- didn't I just ruin it for you a little bit by telling I'm you that story? I'm kind of sorry I asked, honestly. Yeah, well, it's still a bad A name. Blade Runner, 1982. Yeah? This is, maybe I should just open the floor to you two. You've never seen it before. Ever. You've only seen it on the racks of West Coast Video. Get the best at the West. West Coast Video. <laughs> Uh, so, I mean, I'll start first, Dale, if you like. Oh. Uh, I'll part the Blade Runner kimono. In fact, I'll just slip it and let it fall to the floor. Mm. Um, I, I love this. I, this movie, I've seen it two weeks ago, and you can probably put it in my top five sci-fi movies ever made. Wow. Well, I'm sorry, wow. maybe top three. Oh, wow. Um, ah. first of all, the, the movie is gorgeous to look at. I mean, every scene, it feels like I'm watching Casablanca set in in the world of Demolition Man. You're absolutely right, Jonesy. I mean, not to, this is is what we're going to do. We're going to have a dialogue. We're going to go back and (laughs) forth. But it is a joy to watch. Like, the effort put in, like, the set pieces, there's, there was probably like one city block in length of, uh, unbelievable. of total set piece, they just made it work at different angles. But the matte painting, mm. that mm-hmm. the matte painting work that went into this to like to like for like the backdrops and stuff, the projector overlays on the matte paintings that were supposed to be like holographic billboards on the city walls. Mm. Yeah, I mean, of the, let, uh, of let, the let me let me pose you both this question: eating before trail mix constantly throughout the movie. I mean, maybe that was a sponsor <laughs> and T Day Key video T Day K videotapes. TDK, there you go, third try. Huge sponsor of this movie. Yeah, so, Atari. If you removed all the dialogue and played this movie with just the Vangelis soundtrack, this movie would still be amazing. I mean, you could argue that, I think I read an interview where Harrison Ford called this movie like an exercise in design. Like it really is mm-hmm. kind of like someone's design thesis. Like, it could be a music video. If you remove the dialogue and cut this into a seven-minute music video, you could tell this movie beautifully. It's oh, absolutely yeah. stunning. Like, really, Scott, what the hell happened? You know, this is 1982. Was this, like, your dream movie at this point? And, like, maybe the cinematographer, you know, had a bits and pieces of input here. But, like, this is, like, the epicenter of Ridley Scott, visually. I mean, and I, I use this expression quite frequently, uh, during the tenure of our show, but the influence of this movie is so severe 
I think you can see it in almost every sci-fi movie made after this one. Like Alien, almost everyone. He made Alien in '79. Mm-hmm. This came out next, and then three this years is, later, he did Legend. Was I love Alien, and this movie might be more fully realized as a film than Alien. It's definitely better visually, obviously, but he has more room to play with. But yeah, Dale, that set piece of the city, like you don't really get that anymore. Like they made a city. Yeah. And I was thinking, like, the Blade Runner sequel, which everybody could be excited about, and it could be wonderful, but it just won't feel the same. It won't, because it'll probably be too computerized or too, like, I I just don't know how they can replicate. Yeah, you're absolutely right. We'll see. It just feels so claustrophobic and dirty and dark, but, like, that, uh... Wet. There's, like, that life, like, that, uh... um, like the past life, like the billboards and like the electronic stimulation that it's like they're still trying, but nobody's paying attention to it because it's just like a garbage heap. Yeah, I mean, the, the city is beautiful, like beautiful in its own way, obviously, but the um, the geneticist's house, he like he lives in that building that's just an absolute slop house and the inside of the house is wet and he opens mm-hmm. the door, and like it's just a fully realized home, and it's amazing. I like. I want to walk around. It it feels aged. There's like so many mannequins around. Like it looks, you know, like it hasn't been cleaned in fifty years. Mm-hmm. But everything is just so fully realized. The the visuals in this movie are just totally stunning. Like I wanted a screenshot. There's probably Twitter accounts that just send out screenshots of this movie because you could easily do every scene. Note to self: follow them all. It's per- it's perfect. It's absolutely yeah. perfect. Yeah, it is. Um. I really wanted to talk about the music again real quick. And something I thought that was really subtle, and maybe this has been discovered before, but if you think about the Voight comp test, so in the film, um, how you determine someone's a replicant, it's not as easy as opening them up because they're um, they're not just physical parts. They're, they can bleed, they're fleshy, they're, you know, they're not just steel. So they use the Voight-Kampf test. It's a series of questions that will you know, extract whether someone's a replicant or not. And the way it's asked to the person is very monotone. But if you listen during the film, the questions come at this super steady pace that remind me of a metronome between musical numbers that cleanses your palate and gets you set up for the next action beat. And like I closed my eyes last night and I just it kind of just hit me as I was just listening to the movie. And I don't know if that was done intentionally with the score. If that was just another layer we're, we're, that we're peeling away. Mm-hmm. But musically, this movie's inspirational when it comes to setting mood. Like, again, you could probably just listen to the dialogue and close your eyes and get a different experience than visual. Yeah, I... I Agree. I was I was beat beaten up the soundtrack today at work listening to it. I had to do some stuff where I had to focus and really get in. And the the music is just so perfect. It just works on like levels. Just thinking that it's 1982 when this came yeah, it's out. Not, it's not really dated at all. No, it doesn't feel dated. But it doesn't like it doesn't. Maybe at the time it would have sounded more futuristic, but it doesn't quite even sound futuristic. It just has this 
tone of futurism, neo-noir. Like it, it totally matches up perfectly. And I, I'd go, I'd go even further, Jonesy, and just say like the sound editing and the sound effects mm. in general. Like oh yeah, every piece of machinery, like the void comp machine like when it would focus in on the iris of the eyeball like mm-hmm. the static and stuff that it made like Enhanced. it was so like soothing and calming I, how about I, the the jarring sound of um deckard's pkd when he yeah, like the was... four times he actually fires around in this movie like especially when he shoots um what's her name in the back mm-hmm. it's the, the sound of the pkd Powerful. It mm-hmm. like it just takes you out, and not even takes you out. It draws you into the moment, and you're kind of like, man, maybe Deckard isn't like a good dude. The um, it, like juxtaposes the feelings on the hero. The Voight comp yeah. test uh, that the, that kind of opens the movie. I I really liked it because it was it's a so conversa- It was a conversation between two characters, but there was no like time wasted at all. It was like almost like a regular yeah. conversation, maybe a little bit sped up. But like in any other movie, you could draw out that conversation for like twenty minutes. And I'm like, all right, just there's no one waits it, that long in between commenting before. Yeah, other. yeah, yeah. You're absolutely right. It felt like a natural, un like real life, not taped thing, mm-hmm. and it was great. It felt the timing, the pacing. Yeah, it was just it was amazing, and and such a cool way. Like how creative of a way to to. That's the only way you can tell if it's a replicant. It's not like Bishop from Alien where he bleeds white milk all over the place. Like they are people down to microscopic levels. You just have to pick them out by well, testing their empathy. There there's a um an interesting conversation. The second void test you see in the movie is um so Tyrell invites Decker to kind of you know, since he's so esteemed as the, you know, number one Blade Runner. Uh, and just the title Blade Runner, you think this guy's going to be like a future ninja and he's kind of like a rumpled detective with like a revolver. So it's amazing that this name evokes all this imagery and it's the opposite. It's like another layer. But anyway, Tyrell invites Deckard to Voidkampf, uh Rachel, who is uh, his personal assistant. And he he does and they meet up with Tyrell after and he's stunned that she's a replicant because it, it took over I want to say like an hour and a half it was like the longest void comp test ever to determine she was a replicant and that's when you kind of learn that the Nexus 6 is this advanced model and because uh, it actually feels emotions on a human type level they only give it a four year lifespan so that kind of, because um, Decker poses the question, you know, why did they travel back to Earth if they're free? Why would they come back here when there's where's the most police presence? And why would they go after Tyrell? And the, the question is answered because they only have a four-year lifespan, so they must be after Tyrell to get, you know, to live longer. But it really begs the question then, and much like Westworld, like have we created life with that by letting a machine feel memories? Have we created? And that's the question of the movie: What is life now? Is life us? Is life them? Is life both? 
I mean, it's just the the, the whole concept and the concept that these replicants are willing to kill to have more of that, to have more of a chance at living. Man. Uh, What was also interesting is that, uh, um, what's his face, Rick Deckert, said he knew that she he was she was a replicant at like by question 25 or something like he asked like 100 and, or 200 questions and Tyrell asked he's like so when did you know Deckard, <laughs> that she was a replicant he's like oh, by question 26 you know mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting kind of shows that he was the best but with so like the first half of the movie I thought was great like obviously the whole movie is visually stunning for for whatever reason, maybe you guys probably disagree, but I felt like the last quarter or the last half kind of didn't keep pace. Like the well, the stuff with um, uh, what's his name, Roy, Rudger Hauer, the the um, what do you call him? Uh, down the Danish Paul Newman, the Danish Paul Newman. <laughs> I felt like their their scene at the end, and because Deckard kills them all, and then he gets to Roy, and Roy's like broke his fingers so then harrison ford kind of craps his pants out of nowhere and just tries to escape roy for like the last 40 minutes it feels like and, roy, and for whatever reason roy has taken off his clothes and is in his underwear except for his shoes and socks which i which i thought was bizarre and <laughs> I mean, i've seen yeah, this why does a replicant need to wear shoes you like talk about futuristic replicant clothing <laughs> like he had the shoes and socks of like charlie brown on <laughs> they're like orthopedic shoes that he's got on <laughs> yeah. which i thought like so he disrobes at this point he's like near death roy and they're having their final gathering and he's near death because his time is going to run out yeah he's at his four-year yeah. lifespan limit right and he he kind of goes nuts he starts howling he takes off his clothes i still don't i like i was like okay he's in his underwear i don't remember this but then, like later, you see him in a sh- like. What are you wearing your shoes for, Roy? Like, come on, let's <laughs> let's finish the look here. And his in his like little socks, his little beavis and butthead like shoe sock combo. <laughs> but but that that um the chase, if you can call it that that chase, I don't know. It just felt weird to me. Like I didn't get why their fight was so drawn out, and why Harrison mm. Ford kind of had to be scared for the, for the entire fight. Like, well. Yeah, I thought I'm gonna Jonesy. I'm gonna say I felt the same way. I just wish I had more. I knew more of a reason why Roy Batty was acting like a kook, like howling and hooting and sing songy, rhyming his words with his and taking his clothes off. Um, like I, I, there had to be more of a a reason. So this this is my theory. Okay. So. When they first, uh, when they meet the Eye Maker, and I forget his name, Shiro maybe, but that's probably wrong. You know, the first line he says, one of the first lines he says is, you won't believe the things that I've seen with your eyes. And I think that's an emotional epiphany for Roy, and that's when he begins to unravel and go mad. So before he's a military leader, and he is very focused on finding these ways to Tyrell. But I think at that moment, when he's confronted with the fact that he's seen all these amazing things that most of the life forms won't, mm-hmm. and he'll never get to, to see any more or tell his story, that 
he also his mind also begins to unravel. Hmm. So we're not only seeing this life form on in its last hours, but we're also seeing its descent into madness. And I that, think at the end that, when he chooses to save um, Deckard's life, he's also reclaiming his sanity and his honor. And that makes him more human in the end than Deckard does, or than Deckard is. That's kind of true because the reason they have a four-year lifespan is because their emotional development is sort of mutates. And they and um, Tyrell mentions that they, they can't really handle emotional development as well as humans. Like, that's the one thing shortcomes. So maybe he does legitimately start to go crazy in his replicant mind. I Like, I get that. Like, I, I feel like that's fine. But I just felt like the chase was i don't know i just maybe it just wasn't there, well done well i don't yeah, want there was I a lot of chase and ahead. not a lot happening other than howling right, like nothing happened for 15 minutes really right 15 20 right. minutes there was well, like 20 like... minutes of harrison climbing up walls or trying to hide <laughs> yeah it's <that is> weird <laughs> I, I think that there's there was so much i don't i don't know the answers to these questions but i feel like maybe so much more was filmed than we, than we see that mm. in the editing room this became a very different movie than was originally um, conceived. And maybe that's why we have so many different versions Uh, because I really feel like this release, I mean, I've only seen the two, the final cut and uh, the original theatrical release. It feels like the movie, like that big action set piece was put together first. And then they found ways to lead up to that moment almost like a film edited backwards in order to, maybe they thought that 1982 audiences, uh, you know, that had just come off the heels of uh, uh, Star Wars and had just seen Harrison, I think, in Empire the year before. You're making a lot of presumptions you know, here, Jonesy. <laughs> I am making, I am making, I'm taking big leaps. Maybe they thought that they, sci-fi action was something they should, you know, be a big part of the movie. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I don't. don't I mean, I wasn't a, a movie goer at that time. Spoilers. Dale, Dale was. Dale was just out of college around 1982. Yeah, Dale. Yeah. How did you feel? You know, junior year of college, seeing Empire. This movie comes out. Did you feel the way I just described? That's and that's what the how the movie going audience felt at the time, and the studios wanted to be sure. Right. Give us a 20 minute hiding scene in a dirty yeah. building that should be condemned. Suspense. Climbing. You know, suspenseful cat and mouse game. Let's yeah. have Harrison climb over top of a mantle and poke a hole through this roof of the building? Why would he that, leave than just gun. run down like, stairs? He's <laughs> so scared of Rudger Hauer at this point that he's like a foot off the ground and his gun falls and he's like, well, can't risk it. I'm so scared <laughs> I'm going to keep climbing right. for the next 10 minutes. Yeah, Get the he, gun, dummy. He could have turned back and and hid. He could have put himself into the fireplace he was climbing over like a cat so he's protected flanked on all sides and just shot Roy Batty as he charged him if he had to. it just felt it just felt like a total 180 for the character of, of Rick Deckard like he's kind of he's kind of a boss in this movie he kills that girl he he puts up this great scheme to get the dancer you know he's like the whatever the casting agent or whatever he does that mm-hmm. voice and um so yeah that was my that was my bit about the ending I, I kind of was, thought it was a little too goofy but um how about uh, what's his face in this movie? His his like partner that he doesn't like, or the other dude, Edward James Olmos, Graf. thin Edward James Olmos. I didn't even recognize him. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, there was a lot of people in this movie. Uh, obviously, Daryl Hannah oh, with yeah, the most was. absurd wig on uh, this side of Bilbo's fake wig as he went and sailed into the Grey Havens. <laughs> um, it the, changed, too. Like, her hair changed. Remember when she was choking out Harrison Ford with her thighs? And they kept like shifting the shot back to her head, Jealous. but her hair was different in every shot. <laughs> yes, it got it worse and worse. Well, every you time. see that the mood of nineteen eighty two film goers was such <laughs> that uh, the editors wanted to capture <laughs> the feelings. Of a lot the of reshoots. Goers. Harrison asked for a lot of reshoots. A lot of reshoots on yeah, that scene. Yeah. I mean, they knew that Daryl was uh, filming Splash at the time, so you know, if that factored into <laughs> it, after that, they but wanted it, to get that. Tom Hanks crossover audience. <laughs> Roy, uh, not to, uh, we skipped over the Danish uh, Paul Newman, Rutger Hauer is sexy AF in this movie. Like He, he is a national treasure in this movie. 80s pop star to a T in this film. He was perfect. Yeah, yeah he was amazing. Uh, his hair was as white as Jonesy's face <laughs> filming. He was, he was a great, he was great. I mean, I and I love Rucker Howard. I love him. I read his autobiography. I uh, m- my my friends and I have an old. Love How are affair. you doing? It's titled. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he was amazing in this movie. He was a perfect fit. Those eyes you could just wander around in. How about when he took his jacket off inside of the the, the gen- geneticist's house and he was wearing those pants that oh. were like up to his nipples? Amazing. He still rocked it. It was like not even a thing to realize. He's just like, you look great, Rudger. Yeah, yeah. You're pulling it off. I don't know how you're doing it. You're pulling it off. And uh, so, yeah, so that's that. I mean, he his job, the movie, as grand and beautiful a set piece as it is, the plot is basically he has to hunt down these four rogue replicants. That's, and it's kind of like, so it's kind of like a small plot. And it works. Like it's a big, beautiful movie, small, you know, plot that you can handle. Uh, he, Rachel, the replicant, Tyrell's assistant, I guess. He starts some sort of a love affair with her. He falls in love with her, I For, guess. He like near forces himself on her in that one scene. He he, he He's trying to get into her debug room. You know what I'm saying? He, he reprograms her by force, as it were. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, that was an uncomfortable scene when he, like, closed the door when she was trying to leave. Like, I yeah, get that... that maybe, like, she was, she really did want it, but, like, you can't tell there. He, like, closes really the door can't. on her. She's like Lieutenant Data in that scene. She <laughs> shows no emotion either way. It was creepy. Yeah, it, I would go as far as say it was unsettling and didn't match the movie, I thought. It didn't. No, it, I don't, like, the, like, I can get that maybe she's been leading up to that moment in the movie that she was, like, super attracted to Harrison Ford, and she fought it for, like, an hour before that. But, like, yeah. she tries to leave, he closes the door, and then puts his arms on her and, like, forces her against a wall, and, like, you know, tell me you love me, tell me you want me, and she has to repeat it. It was, it was weird. Very strange. I mean, even if, I mean, one throwaway line, hey, I'm kind of messed up in the head because I'm, I'm pretty sure I know now for sure I'm a replicant, <laughs> so I don't know if I can feel these things. Could you just make him not such a scumbag <laughs> for that one scene? <laughs> Romantic. 
Yeah, you know? it was it was weird. Like I get what they were probably going for, but it didn't land in that scene. Now maybe it did. You know, maybe the the splash audience. audience you know, the, 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 the editors, the directors wanted to capture that splash love. The Sean Young fan base that was just <laughs> raging in 1982. I mean, between that and the uh, the replicant who sticks an anaconda inside of her replicate vagina. <laughs> Wait, is that a thing? Why are you whispering like that? That made it creepier than the actual scene in the movie. Did that actually happen? Because that's why Deckard had to look away. He was, she was getting busy. I, I thought he looked away because she, she was in the shower. Like no, she was sh- on stage with a snake. Oh, I don't remember that scene at all. My God. Dale, you sure you just didn't Google Blade Runner porn parody and watch that instead? Blade Runner ships. <laughs> so the controversy that that controversy that Rid that seems settled, Ridley confirmed it in his version of the flick, but the the debate is Deckard a replicant. Right, which is theorized because in the final cut, there's like four versions of this movie, and in the final cut Ridley added back a scene where Decker dreams about a unicorn. And then he, at the end of the movie, his like his, his crazy partner, Edward James Olmos says, it's too bad. She won't live. But then again, who does in reference to Rachel, who he's been like hiding with or hiding her. Cause they're having this relationship against the rules, obviously. So he rushes home to see if his partner killed her. And she's alive, which actually was a really cool scene. He thought mm-hmm. she was dead under the covers. So then they leave to like presume, presumably just run off, elope, because she's a replicant and it's like forbidden for her to be alive, I guess. And as he's leaving, he sees a unicorn origami, which is the call sign of his partner. So they're... Now you're, the, the theory is that the partner knows that he's a replicant he there he because he knows his dreams. He knows he dreamed about a unicorn, so he left a unicorn origami, as if to say, "I know you're a replicant. You're gonna, you both are gonna die soon. Go do what you want." Yeah, but okay. So this is why that theory doesn't make sense for me. I honestly, so, I don't think he's a replicant. I think this theory is bull s. Yeah, well, to be perfectly I mean, honest. just logically, Deckard has been a Blade Runner for X amount of years. The Nexus Six has just come out. So are we to presume that he's one of these emotional replicants from before the Nexus 6 model? Because it's obvious that he feels emotion like love. And and even if he's, let's say another version, like maybe he's a Nexus 6. He should be super strong. He yeah, should. and Roy Batty bats him around. Yeah, and but, he runs away and hides for an hour on the roof. But, but something I just thought of. What if what if he was just put into service a month ago? But they said and had memories implanted into him. Uh, like the, like he had like, like the, fake memories that he was a good blade runner. Maybe they're Graf's memories and that's why Graf knows that he has dreams of unicorns. Oh, yeah, that's a good or, or you know, yeah, like the police chief's nephew or or something. <laughs> like and they just feed into his memories by saying you know i know you just got out of retirement really you were just put in the service a month ago but we need you to come back for one more we need you to come back for one more last hurrah 
I, I feel like the cl- the quote unquote clues are so weak for this theory. I don't even understand why the internet just loves this theory so much. I think it's well, so now, weak. Now we know it's wrong because we've seen sixty five year old Harrison Ford in Blade Runner twenty forty nine or whatever. Well, it's that, called. it could either be that he's not a Nexus six and they have longer lifespans, or he was a Nexus six and figured out how to extend his life. But and and ha- for the record, to I, Nexus I, six age. Because they don't use that. Maybe the consequence of young. living longer is that you age as a robot. Uh, okay, all right. And don't forget, Rachel wasn't a Nexus Six. She was a new prototype. Oh, she was not a Nexus Six. I don't believe so. I think she was even more Nexus Seven. Maybe she could have been. What if maybe a uh, Decker is a Nexus Seven? No, oh, he's also a prototype. Well, that's. I guess it's possible. And, well, they do have that throwaway di- uh, dialogue between Tyrell and uh, Roy Batty where he he says that they're presumably close to fixing the Nexus 6 problem, but it won't be in this iteration of the line. Doesn't he say something that's pretty close to that when they're, remember. he demands I more so. life? How gross was Tyrell's death when uh, Rudger Hauer chooses the fastest way to kill a man and just pushes his eyeballs into his brain? Honestly, yeah, goodness, that was too rough. Much. Oh, so did you guys know notice that the um, Tyrell's like not partner, but kind of like his his think tank, the ones that Sebastian. led him. Yeah, Sebastian is the voice of the maker of uh, Hardak from Batman the Animated <laughs> oh, Series. Great two parter right there. <laughs> I wonder if that was like a throwback. I guess it probably was. It, ha- it had to be a pretty straight up Blade Runner reference, and I think now looking at it. And my fan favorite Batman Beyond, the Batmobile, was pretty much that police car, Deckard's police car, almost like spot on the shape of it. Also, um, Sebastian had that like weird premature aging disorder. So he was almost like a Nexus 6 or a robot because he had a limited lifespan, which is a weird thing to throw in there. Mm -hmm. That was with his weird uh, toys. So I think, are we all in agreement that the theory that he's a replicant was kind of lame in the movie? And maybe maybe he is, but in the movie I just felt like I felt a shoehorn, like like really uh, only had so much actual shot footage to try to weasel in. It's like, oh, let's make him a replicant with this origami thing. Right. I, I, you know, in the in the novel he's a human and I think that's, I think in the movie he's meant to be a man that falls in love with a, a replicant and mm-hmm. thus learns a lesson about life and but with the caveat that if we see this sequel uh, which i all imagine we're going to see together at this point um <laughs> if he's a nexus 7 presumably it won't upset me because i feel like it's grown into its own thing from the fans of this film that they really want him to be a replicant for some reason and well yeah, I want him as well to be a human. Harrison wanted him to be a human. According to the Wikipedia, mm. uh, Ridley Scott confirmed in the final cut that he is a replicant. Okay. In his in his final cut version. But that's the official uh, cut. You know, it's the official it's cut. The only cut that he's had total editorial what? control over. What? what? But I didn't read the uh you know, the footnote linked article about why he confirmed it was just this some fans tumblr page was it like fake news.org backslash blade runner theories yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> so top 10 top 10 reasons why blade runner deckard was a replicant <laughs> slideshow watch mojo God, back on those slideshows are the worst <laughs>
Uh, oh, Roy, I actually, I'm actually looking at the Wikipedia right now. Uh, though not shown, it is implied by Bryant via police radio that Roy also kills Sebastian. That stinks. So he's kind of a he's kind of an ass. I don't know if he really reclaimed his humanity at the, at the end. I mean, he killed Sebastian. Mm-hmm. He pushed Tyrell's eyeballs into his brain to kill right. him. Like that's Michael Myers type level. Of, yeah, you have to be a psychotic to do that. Maybe maybe he keeps Deckard alive so that he leaves someone to remember him. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. That was a little too poetic. I was. Well, that was deep. Very mm-hmm. deep. You know it, girl. The the um the speech made by Roy Batty on the roof as he's on his knees, completely made up. I wish. They, wow. Oh, yeah, I did read that. That is totally off the cuff by Rucker. Can you imagine... Rucker, you beautiful man. If sci-fi movies were allowed to be nominated for Golden Globes and Oscars 30 years ago? Yeah, apparently people he, really didn't know what to think of this movie when it came out. Alleged. Alleged. Yeah, Mixed response. I don't know. Every time, I mean... Can't believe I waited this long to watch this movie. Mm. I really, I mean, I really want to watch it again. I just want to watch it again and just l- close my eyes and listen to the, like the whole. It was like ASMR sleep, kind of when Deckard is like taking twenty minutes to what like pinch and zoom solve to like CSI that photograph. Enhance. Enhance. But, but the but the sounds are so copy. soothing. Yeah, the sounds are so soothing during that sequence. It's like, and there's also a, the subtle sound of like the rain against the big glass windows. Oh, while yeah, the rain was that. a huge rain and light are like the MVPs of this movie, honestly. And it's always amazing to me that no matter what scene that Roy is in, he's almost golden and pure, and like pops out of the scenery. Mm. Like it's it's very mm-hmm. even in the rain, it's apparent that he does not match up with the world we're in. Like he's something mm-hmm. other, you know, something ethereal. Like he's not present. It's amazing. The um, and it's it's I mean it's just crazy that he has he has seen. I don't know. Just think about the. He, like he, the yeah, implications I what the lines what are, but he's like yeah. the, the fires rolling. You know, off the shores of Orion's belt, and like, yeah. you're like, what does that mean? Like, but he can't express it to him. It's just he understands what beauty is, and he thinks his memories are worth keeping alive because of the wonders he's seen. I mean, it's philosophically an amazing movie too. Mm-hmm. The original version apparently had um, Harrison Ford doing narration, like a typical noir movie, which they removed. Mm-hmm. Oh, like um, like a Casablanca style. Mm-hmm. You know, I met her at the bar. You know, yeah. Jonesy, that wasn't in the theatrical version that you watched. No, no, there was no narration. So it, was, it must have been before that, like before focus groups or something. Well, the, let's see. I think it was removed in. Let's see. There was the final cut. The director's cut was before that, and then there was a U.S. broadcast version. Had, then, that had to be different different than theatrical release because there wasn't narration in in both versions I saw. Uh, Let's see. The director's cut came out in 92. The final cut came out in what? 
Oh, seven? Director's Something Cut like did not have the voiceovers. Hmm. Uh, the Director's Cut had the insertion of a dream sequence with the unicorn. Um, and it also removed the quote-unquote happy ending, which I think is them run, driving in a car over the fields, which was mm-hmm. stolen from The Shining. Mm-hmm. The final cut is digitally remastered and uh, removes the happy ending and has the full-length version of the Unicorn Dream. Apparently, there was also a version of the Unicorn Dream where Harrison Ford was with the Unicorn. <laughs> like, And he uses that in a legend like a year later. I would love yeah. to see what that scene Stock looked footage. like. Also, there's like a making of documentary that I kind of want to watch now. Yeah, me too. Is that on the Blu-ray? It's got to be like on the Blu-ray so, box yeah. that you can't get anywhere. Heifers. You've been spending hours trolling the internet looking for just that thing. <laughs> So we'll see. I, I'm very optimistic for um, the new one because I've seen The Arrival and that movie is very deep. Very. Have you, got, you guys haven't seen The Arrival? No, but oh it's gotten like gosh. amazing reviews. Because if you thought this movie was deep, uh, The Arrival is going to make you poopy in your pants. So wow. you're saying as I should rent You should the see The Arrival at all costs is what I'm saying. Wow, all costs. Yeah. And it's the same director, is what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like Dennis Villeneuve or something like that. Hmm. I so. would absolutely uh, watch The Arrival. I wonder if it's something my lady is into, hey? Could be. Amanda liked it. Let's see what else uh, Den- Denis Villeneuve has directed. Uh, let's see. He is doing the new Blade Runner. Before that, he did Sicario. Mm-hmm. Enemy, and a bunch of other stuff I've never heard of. Prisoners. Hmm. Sounds like some straight DVD uh, Rucker <laughs> Hauer movies. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> what else? What What are the, uh, your top three favorite Rucker Hauer movies, Dale? Oh God, it's a great question. Does a great movie with uh, Gene Simmons, Wanted, Dead or Alive. <laughs> great movie um should we do that for an episode oh my god oh my god what really (laughs) tail i think you should pick two rugger hauer movies that we need to see and we should watch them for the show well we the uh the sly stallone billy d williams rugger hauer vehicle was that nighthawks yeah that's a good one god damn that's a good one yeah nighthawks i say it his name was Wolfgar? Wolfgar. Wolfgar? <laughs> yes! <laughs> does a, he does a uh, The Osterman Weekend opposite Craig T. Nelson. Oh, I I just, I'm looking at his IMDb page. I'm a dummy. Remember I told an anecdote last week about him being in, uh, or Nolan showing Blade Runner to the makers of Batman? And he's in Batman. Mm-hmm. He's oh, in, he right. plays yeah. the... Um, like the uh, the board, the bad board member. He was wow. like his his character was weird too. He wasn't like ever really overtly bad. He was just kind of like yeah, he was like the spokesperson, right? Bad. For, yeah, yeah, he was like a PR guy almost, just kind of like a jerk. What's the? Uh, I don't know. God, what's some? some good... He was in Salem's Lot, two thousand four. 
Dracula 3 Legacy. Hobo with a shotgun. Oh, I actually like that movie. Never saw yeah. it. That's pretty good. Jungle Juice as Jean-Luc. Jean-Luc. Split second he was in. That's pretty good. I don't recognize, honestly. I'm looking at like 300 movie titles. I don't recognize any of them. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're all, they're super all straight to DVD. I mean, he's, he had a, he had it on lock in the 80s and 90s. He had straight to DVD movies on lockdown. Oh, I forgot he was in Sin City, too. Yeah. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I mean, obviously, oh, Blind right. Fury the, is, yeah. is a, a lot of people know what Blind Fury is, and that was one of his greats. Oh, man. I, I'm looking at the cover right now. It looks amazing. Of what? Blind Fury. <laughs> yeah. He looks like uh, Roddy Piper from They Live and oh, Blind. Man. Rest in peace, Roddy. <laughs> yeah, he he walks around with a katana inside of his cane, his I gotta, walking I, cane. I got to read this. Blind Fury is a 1989 American samurai action film. American, American samurai, samurai action. Oh, my God. Uh, let's see. The film stars Rudger as Nick Parker, a blind, sword-wielding Vietnam War vet. So that's why Dale was drawn to it. Who returns to the U.S. and befriends the son of an old friend? The boy finds his father has been kidnapped by a major crime syndicate. Wow! I'm pulling up the master list as we speak. Wow! Oh um, I just realized I've seen this movie in like some kind of suppressed acid flashback. Crossworlds. Oh yeah! You see that movie, Dale? Yeah. I gotta put that on my Amazon wish list. I need to see that again. Yeah, that was uh, weird. How oh, surviving the game is a fantastic movie. That's right. He was uh, one of the ones who hunted Ice T. Mm-hmm. What a catalog! So next, so you'll get back to us with two Rudger Hauer movies that we need to uh, watch before the end of Paper Keg. No pressure. No pressure. Oh my god! That's. Next, I thank you for the opportunity. This is going to be wonderful for all of us. I agree. I mean, we do. We can do it our way. You know, it's our show. Episodes left. Twenty-four. Who's counting? It's our show. Next week, we're about to take it up another notch. Actually, in two weeks, because I'll be in Disney next week. Oh God! What? 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 <laughs> Live from the Magic Kingdom. Oh, God. Papa JLB. Oh, God. Maybe Dale and I should do a Rugger Hauer movie. Whoa, 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 whoa. You guys <laughs> just can't release an episode. Like, do a comic book. Don't take my Rugger away from me. Well, we'll think of something. Well, next yeah. week was going to be Alien by Ridley Scott. So maybe we'll push that off a week. We'll have to figure out something for Dale and I to do. We can figure something out. We'll you guys should release out. an episode of The Flap. It's our show. That's terrible. We'll I don't know, Jonesy. That doesn't terrible. count as You're a right. that doesn't count as a paper cake numerical episode. It wouldn't. You know, you should say paper cake two seventy seven closing down the flap. Jonesy you know? live producing. Here we go. Put, put the yeah. flaps down. Drink. Isn't that what they do with the airplanes? Put the flaps down. <laughs> paper cake bingo. <laughs> <laughs> We got your letters I'm gonna open them up Farrington's gonna read them To you Letters at 
papercag.com. You should listen to Robert and I are. Okay, uh, our first letter comes us from dear friend of the show, Justin Riley. Uh, you might know him by his internet handle, his call sign, if you will, at Top 5 Bananas. He writes, uh, Hey, fellas, now that the dust has settled from the bombshell you dropped, I have so many questions. Will at Nitty make her triumphant return before the end? Will Mark Farrington be raised from the dead for one final appearance? How long after episode 300 will Dale's body be discovered? Will all my subtle Akira Toriyama name drops finally come to fruition, resulting in a Dragon Ball book club? With his newly available free time, will Jonesy finally return to his true calling and finish Inherited? I could just be a few days away from uh, some new information. Just a few days. Could be. Uh, why I am saddened by the news of you no longer producing weekly episodes, I will always support you and be here for every bi-weekly episode, whatever Jonesy is currently live, slack producing, uh, the show's future to be. Uh, all jokes aside, I'm sure I speak for everyone when I say I fully understand your decision. I have uh, more than a full-time job, two kids, and couldn't imagine finding the time to record a show every week. I appreciate every moment of entertainment you have given me, and am eternally, I am internally grateful, not internally, eternally grateful for the wonderful community you have built. I guess it could be internally grateful. <laughs> so, uh, there will always be a special place in my heart for Paper Keg, and I will support you until the bitter end. Uh, thank you at Top 5 Bananas. It doesn't have to be a bitter end. You know? We'll see. It's, it's bittersweet. Top 5, that was really uh, sweet of you. Thank you. It was. Top five. Next up, Matt HH with a letter. Strap in. Paper keg, uh, <laughs> Slack Usenet CEO. Mm-hmm. CEO of Take a Drink Before You Read This Letter to Wet Your Whistle. Yeah, it's a good idea. I'm going to do that right now. Live. Live producing Dave's Health, or Dave's Health, Dale's Health. Floyd <laughs> did 277 episodes. <clears throat> Welp. After the longest-running tap-the-brakes troll in podcasting history, you fine gentlemen are finally taking your well-deserved rest. The next six months will be like the winding journey from the black gates of Mordor, peacefully making our way back home to the Shire, forever changed by our experience. Slim, FYI, that means that like the Hobbits, our characters have leveled up. There'll be Slim rolling his eyes harder... There will be plenty of moments. Is that, is that, that from the, nine, cut that from the, the nine hour cut of one of those Lord of the Rings movies? What? There will be plenty of moments for reflection, acknowledgement, and celebration. But I just want to say thanks. Now, if you're reading this letter, then you've already finished the book club on Blade Runner. Massive spoilers from here. Uh, life spoilers. I had to stop reading the letter when it came in because I hadn't <laughs> watched the movie yet. <laughs> I was terrified when Jonesy claimed that there was basically basically no difference between the theatrical cut and director's cut. Yeesh. Basically nothing except the absolute confirmation beyond any doubt that Deckard yeah. is indeed a replicant. Uh, debatable. Man, yeah. that Maybe he's being sarcastic. Maybe he doesn't believe it either. No, I don't know. He, he, put, what, he took it to bold. Yeah, he, he took it to bold text and put there oh, two asterisks. Okay. There Listen, is all, I ha- all we have to say about Deckard as a replicant. Uh, uh, Deckard's a uh, human. Uh, 
This is, of course, proven by the fact that Gaff leaves Pro- a unicorn proven. origami Pro- piece. Circumstantial, Matt H.H. Sorry, Dale. <laughs> double air quotes for the double H's in your name. This is, of course, proven by the fact that Gaff leaves a unicorn origami piece at Deckard's apartment after we leave the audience were shown Deckard's dream of a unicorn at the piano. This means Gaff knows it too and says as much. It's too bad she won't live. But then again, who does? <laughs> I'm skeptical about what about what the heck they're going to do with Blade Runner, tw- Blade Runner 2049. <laughs> And I wouldn't even the watch it version. if it weren't being directed by the excellent Denis Villeneuve. <laughs> I'm glad they're not digitally de-aging Deckard, but I really hope they don't unwind the ending of one of those the most perfect films of all time. Man you- HH, uh, we need a 400-page or 400-word essay on why Deckard's a replicant and is he a Nexus 7? Go. <laughs> Given how badly Ridley has destroyed <laughs> Alien with Prometheus and Covenant, I'm definitely going in with my shields up. Anyway, let's enjoy this journey together as friends. Matt HH on the Twitter, uh, on Facebook, on uh, Slack, you name it. He's Matt HH. I don't know. <laughs> Blade Rummer. Blade yeah. Runner, the Blade new Rucker Hauer movie. Blade Runner. <laughs> Direct to VHS. <laughs> What's the movie where a Rucker was uh, a jugger? Blood of Heroes. He was a jugger. Max von Sydow was in What's that movie. What's a jugger? Jugger is, is when talking you... about flesh and blood. Is no, it might... that was the medieval movie. It was either Blood of Heroes or Flesh and Blood. They're juggers in a futuristic sport where game no. death is the only option. Yeah, Flesh and Blood is an early Rucker Hauer movie where he like they play a band of like um, caravan raiders. That's all I can remember from that movie. And that it was rated X is the only other detail that I can recall. Really? Yeah. How do you not know about that movie? I didn't know it was rated X. I knew it. I didn't know. It was- it's it. It's I always think of it in that category as like heavy metal, like that rated X animated movie from the eighties. Like mm. when being rated X was like an art statement rather than a thing. I read you. Did you say art stain? Statement. Oh, okay. My fault. Art stain might, sounds might something. Be, uh, that sounds very interesting. It's <laughs> how I make my paintings. Not my paintings. What a show. Next week, it's up in the air. Could be something magical. Who knows? Mm. Maybe there's some other Hulk Hogan movie we can watch. Not oh, counting McKenzie's Island. Maybe like three. Maybe there's a Three Ninjas with Hulk Hogan we can watch. I don't know. New, or a new, comic new, book, new I guess. World Order. Maybe we watch an episode of like Nitro or like a WCW pay-per-view. Holy crap. Slim. Bash at the Beach, nineteen ninety six. Look, do you excited. think I can get let's uh, do vacation it. insurance at this point to cancel this trip? Let's Bash. do. Uh, maybe we intro the show with a review of the the past Sunday's Royal Rumble, oh. and then we talk about Bash at the Beach, 
I've never felt more alive than I do right now. We might go to episode 400. Just each, <laughs> I think each episode, we just pick something we want to do. I think we do, with you know? this renewed fervor, and I think uh, I, I continue my monthly streak of resubscribing to the WWE <laughs> Network the day after I cancel my <laughs> subscription to the WWE Network. This paper keg's got legs. Oh, boy. Stay tuned. One of the biggest episodes we've ever done. Oh my god! Next Jonesy. week, you might want to uh, remote in from remote location from your hotel room. <laughs> I mean, I'll make an audio uh, file and send it in. It'd be funny if Jonesy watches it and then just like leaves a paper cake voicemail of his thoughts on the <laughs> three-hour pay-per-view. Just a bunch of questions. He has no idea what's happening. <laughs> you know. You know what I'm seriously afraid of about wrestling is I. I, I do enjoy it, but I'm afraid if I get into it, I will be consumed by it. Because I tend to get into things hardcore. Mm. Like, it'll be terrible for my... I'll just be watching wrestling videos 24-7. Mm-hmm. You know, and it it's like... I, I'm like... To Dale, as to Dale is to collecting physical things, I am into getting to, like, new media. I accept that. It's fine. That wasn't an insult. <laughs> <laughs> maybe yeah maybe it was just you know a little bit of realism thrown in my face and i just had to, uh, okay. I had to look into the eyes of my but that's one thing i admire about you is your ability to you know unabashedly collect i aspire to it i just have no place to display anything of my owning just my little ledge in the window it's a good looking ledge you know got some star wars stuff got some you know there's a daredevil behind me. There's a Hellboy. Jon Snow. You know nothing. Dale. It's good stuff. What a show. Blade Runner. There you have it. <laughs> Sounds like we're technically in the fireside. I feel like there, uh, there could have been a, a transition there. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And that's where you should just hang up right there after Dale says <laughs> I think yeah. we're in the fireside. Yeah. Boo! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Royal yeah, Rumble is this Sunday. Yeah. Big weekend. Are we recording? Hour and two minutes? Are we stopping? What are we doing? <laughs> record, record. Okay. I haven't through this Royal Rumble Relax. chatter. Royal Rumble. It's going to be, be big. So be who's the, the main Royal card? Huh? Who's the main Could card be. in the Royal Rumble? Who who the, Is it John Cena? John Cena's. Uh, is he still wrestling full time? Full ish time. I think he's part time. Slim, the the face, the fat face that you tweet recently about your, <laughs> oh yeah, rowing is that Sammy Zayn? 
Yeah, he's like upside down on the floor when he's making that face. Okay. Because <laughs> I was like, what's... <laughs> he is not looking good right there. Well, the like, the Monday Night Raw is like bad. It doesn't make any sense because like the, the, the original one that I retweeted as a joke was a funny... With someone pointing out how dumb it is because like weeks before that people were just like I'm declaring myself with the Royal Rumble like how does that how does that work and now, and, and Sami Zayn Sami Zayn can't even get in he's got to have a match to like have the opportunity to get in it's like no one I, I get it they have to write three hours of Raw every week they're not yeah. all gonna be winners but still Raw is three hours long every yeah. week Nitro actually did it before. Nitro started that trend. I think that's literally the worst thing to ever happen to pro wrestling is Man. three hours a week when they did it. And then Raw had to time. do it. How, it I terrible. mean, how do you keep your storyline straight when it's three hours? They, they really don't week to week. I only really watch like the GIFs Monday night. I don't really watch. <laughs> and then I'll, I'll look at the YouTube because they upload like YouTube clips of the matches like right after. Like raw ratings and SmackDown ratings are like the lowest they've ever been, but Raw just like puts out the content on social media and YouTube like right away. So like, what's what's the onus for anyone to watch live? Which is interesting. You wonder if they're going to change their tactics at all. I mean, I like know, um, I, I I forget the subject that came up. Oh, Conan. Mm-hmm. Like nobody watches his show, but his clips are yeah, his, the, his travel clips are amazing. Like yeah, millions of views. So I wonder if I don't know. I mean, does like WWE start doing like fake matches, or they just start doing like clips, clip length matches, just to I, you know who knows? I, I, there's no way that I don't think they're ever going to move down from three hours unless they can't. Like, I think because the USA is paying them for that third hour or something. But the like the long goal is for them to just have enough subscribers on the network, and they don't really care what happens on TV. Mm. Like Isn't it amazing that in our lifetime that that the TV pay structure has broken down so dramatically. Yeah, they're That's making crazy. they're making money in the network, but I don't think they're making enough for them to say like TS to all the hours of content they have to write. So if I were, con- it's so much content and you know, I don't, I, I watch it three times a year at this point, Slim, but they got to be hurting for, for staff. I mean, mm-hmm. everybody that holds the belt or wins anything, everybody hates Rome. Everybody hates Roman Reigns. Sami Zayn, like he's my, could be a good guy, but is he the best they got mm-hmm. or John Cena or uh, what's his name who has the belt now? AJ Styles. AJ Styles is good. He's great. But the, um, like Chris Jericho, like these people, they can't just keep rubber banding, boomeranging, you know. Yeah, with... he's old. Plus they have The Undertaker now in the Royal Rumble. He's like, oh, God. he has the, the body of a 70-year-old man. And he's like 55. The Undertaker needs an Undertaker at this he point. He might soon. I think uh, Goldberg, Goldberg looks amazing, honestly. Good for, him. <laughs> Good for him. The uh, I wonder well, what Goldberg's scalp muscle. I am I wonder pro- what that can bench. We are probably making like some legitimate fan skin crawl with our <laughs> with me talking about 
I like I, I just admitted I watch it three times a year and I'm and I'm uh-huh. spouting off at my mouth about what what they need to do to change <laughs> to make it better. I don't know. Right. Listen, don't listen right. to me out there. <laughs> <laughs> you know they're listening. WWE's listening right now. Somebody's just finger just notes. inched away from the stop button. Troy to the Max Extreme is probably just like twirling upside down in his car. It's like, Did, he's probably just slamming me in the slack. That's Did what he you does watch, in his free time. Uh, the Kenny Omega Okada match that I was tweeting about recently. It's like the greatest match of all time. Happened a couple months ago, last month. It's amazing. Is it? Yeah. Let's see if I can find a YouTube clip. Was it a WWE match? No, it, was, it was New Japan Pro Wrestling. Just when AJ Style leaves. That's right. So this guy, Kenny Omega, is supposed to be like the next hot thing in the main event of this. Japanese show they had like the, one of the greatest matches I've ever seen in my life and now WWE's all hot to sign him WWE why so he could face uh, Chris Jericho in the Miz and <laughs> somebody gets the belt again <laughs> for someone who only watches three times a year you you are you're up to date <laughs> I, I everything I need to know I learned from Scooby-Doo and WWE did you see there's a Surf's Up 2 that's of WWE characters? Really? Yeah. The sequel to Surf's Up is Penguins as WWE, or vice versa. Wow. What? <laughs> that's synergy. That is synergy. That is synergy. Wow. I don't know. I don't know. One thing Actually, I did. One thing I did kind of respect in the latest... Scooby-Doo WWE crossover movie was Triple H was kind of like the bad guy in the end. Spoilers. Really? So it's like every, not everybody gets away with a clean, you know, Scott Free. Everybody gets a little turn. And then to see an animated Undertaker put him in a tombstone and then stick his tongue out. Taker. Like the demon. <laughs> the take Taker. The dead man. <laughs> I mean, real rumor they're going to say the dead man 150 times. <laughs> oh, God. I'll subscribe. Cortana, resubscribe to the <laughs> WWE Network right now. Here comes the dead man. He's not human. <laughs> <laughs> and then Kane's going to get in there. The demon Kane. <laughs> oh, man. Didn't we watch? What did we watch at my house last year? Was that SummerSlam? Yeah, I was there for that. Man, what a John night. Cena lost. I was destroyed inside. <laughs> Jersey comes in, drops off a twelve pack, watches a match, and leaves with eleven <laughs> beers left in the twelve pack. That's <laughs> <laughs> when I knew I had a drinking problem in the opposite way. I wouldn't stay. What to was drink. the night where you came over to hang out and you were asleep on the couch in five minutes? <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, that, was that a WWE uh, event? Uh, no, I I can't remember what it was though. We watched a movie after it. Would you oh, guys we watched Magic X-Files. Mike Two? You guys watched Magic Mike Two at like oh, thirty yeah, seconds in. Was like, oh yeah, I'm that's out. right. I'm out. I tapped out hardcore. So I remember. Some, I love that. Was some dear soul put a blanket over me. Do you, what was it? It, it was like uh, Gen Z wanted to come over and hang out, and it was just a picture of you <laughs> sleeping on the couch. 
you were, were all I don't sitting think on you the were floor. just asleep. You had like the blanket like <laughs> curled up around your arm <laughs> under your chin. We're all spr- three people are sprawled out on your floor because the couch is no longer available. <laughs> Some gentle soul wrapped me up in a blanket and said, "You know this man never sleeps. Just let him have it." 